we're in 1616 and through the rest of the chapter. And uh, as you can see there on the slide, uh, we've I've called it uh, joy in Christ and joy even in the jail and then joy in the jailer's house. So we'll see that as we, we go through the text. Um, so... Uh, Silas and Paul and Luke and Timothy is are on the what's called Paul's second missionary journey, and they are in Philippi. So I think we just have uh, some few slides here from uh, Philippi that you could see. Um, if you take the next slide, uh, yes, yeah, so this is from the uh, what is it called the Acropolis, like the high point of it, and then there's a picture. Uh, of course, this was not what it looked like. This is the ruins of what it, it looked like. Um, if you take the next slide, you can see that they have a, had an amphitheater. So it's actually uh, Philippi was in a province where it was resettled by uh, a lot of Roman uh, soldiers. So it was a Roman colony. Uh, so it was a kind of rebuilt like Roman cities as well so you can just see those pictures there see kind of like scope of size of it um, yeah and if you take the next slide so let's read together from the text uh, it's good to do if you if you have your Bible out um, and just uh, follow along uh, as we read together as they were going to the place of prayer now, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. And this she, um, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to, to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in on attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders that they would be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer, to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bond were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoner had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. 
And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought to them, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was, bapt- and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these same words to Paul saying, the magistrate is sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison, and now they throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these, things, these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid. When they heard that they were Roman citizens, so they came and apologized to them, And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this, um, we have this encounter as... As we, they were there in Philippi last week and they met Lydia. They were going to this place of prayer and they're still going to this place of prayer. Um, but we have this encounter um, where <laughs> day by day this, uh, this slave girl who is possessed by a demon, um, there's all sorts of things about just the spirit of Python and all sorts of things. If you want to know more, we can talk to me about that. But for the sake of this, she's, uh, she's possessed by the spirit that has uh, allowed her to see future things. So it brings a lot of gain and money to the people that own her. And, but at the same time, she also kind of like when Jesus works and the demons see Jesus, they call out, you are the, you are the, you are the Christ, you are the Lord, you are the Messiah. Uh, she also does that. And she calls out that Paul and Silas, they, they, they can tell people who God is. Um, <laughs> you could say that's kind of free PR. That's kind of like, um, but there's a little bit. There's many things to it. Like it's first of all, we just know Paul gets really annoyed after some days that this person is just crying out, yelling after them wherever they go. Maybe it was also be nice to people not yelling at the after them all the time. And maybe also likes to have some peace to share the gospel with people instead of just people yelling what you're doing. Um, the same thing with with uh, the sense of like people knowing that she's possessed by a demon. So the demons can speak truth and then they can speak lies. So it can't just come from her. People have to hear the gospel from the people that have been conver- converted. 
So Paul, Paul, greatly annoyed, he turns to her and said, says to the demon, get out of her. And then that very moment, the demon leaves. So, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's a good thing. Um, but it's not really taken as a good thing because cause the owners were having a, they were gaining a lot of money from this. Um, they might even have purchased her because they knew she had this ability or the demon had this ability. So, they, so what's at stake here is not really that they care about the girl because they really don't. Um, no, they, they care that her abilities are gone. Uh, they see her as a means to money. Um, and now they're frustrated and mad at Paul because he's taken that away. Um, I just, I want to just like pause here and, and reflect like, like how do we view other people? Um, even when you need help and you need somebody to encourage you, uh, and like just in general, when we encounter people, how do we encounter them? Like in, in this case, the owners really saw her as property, and they they saw her as something to be used, maybe in in some sense, some sense abused. Um, so you can also see, like, say, like, well, Paul actually frees her because maybe this girl didn't want to go every day and yell these things because it was the demon that was doing it. So Paul, in a sense, she, he actually cares for the person, although he was greatly annoyed. It seems like he is more caring for her to cast out that demon than the owners because they're frustrated that her ability is now gone. They never saw her as a person. They saw her as something to be exploited or used for monetary gain. The question is like, how do we see people? Do we see people as they're made in the image of God? Or do people only have value when they can give us something? Do they only have value because of their uh, gifts and abilities? So the owners are so mad. They're so frustrated at this, uh, at Paul, like, taking away the gain of money. And they grab Paul and Silas, and they, 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 they uh, I don't know if Luke and Timothy, they're just too fast, or they're not together at this point, but they don't get taken. So Paul and Silas, they're taken, and they drag them into the, into the marketplace, and they start beating them. And then they... Not only that, they bring them and throw them before the authorities, and they bring these um, accusations that are not accurate at all because we know it's all about them losing. Uh, they don't say, oh, this person, the Paul cast out a demon from this girl. Uh, no, they're saying that these are Jews, and so going like after them ethnically, and also at this time, Jews had been expelled out of Rome, so there's a prejudice against them. So going on all those prejudices, they're pushing all those things, and all of it is kind of like a little bit absurd. Even the charges are kind of strange. We know that they're wrong charges, and second of all, there's like Roman Empire is so polytheistic that that most regions can have their own gods, and so the 
push for all oh, these men are like disturbing and it's just a, <laughs> one person was saying it's so ironic like as you go through the text everything's upside down so paul and silas are actually quieting the grill they're not starting a riot they're making things quiet and it's actually the other people that are starting a riot by beating uh, Paul and Silas and, and saying that they're disturbing. But they're actually the ones causing the disturbance and actually breaking Roman law, as we'll figure out, as we'll see later. So it's, it's just all backwards uh, things of what things are happening. Um, but you can say it's a <laughs> kind of a failure of magistrate or oversight because they just join in and so they even say like rip up the clothes of them and beat them with rods and <laughs> as they're as they're getting done with beating them they then say hey you just like throw these people throw these people into prison and I mean I, I guess we just have to just touch a little bit on it like um when we had the financial crisis uh, and we had the, the IT crisis, we had all these crises of money. Uh, we see that the god of money dies like every every I don't know, every other decade. Money just like almost becomes nothing. And we're warned in scripture uh, that the love of money is the root of all evil. So money is kind of neutral. Uh, but it's when the love of money uh, takes over, then all sorts of evil come from that. And you can see that in how they view the girl. Uh, and you know, you're going to just like look at it today how people are abused and used in, in sex, uh, sex trafficking and in and, uh, and other things. It's you, the human made in the image of God is used and abused and not seen even like as worthy of being a person, but just something you can make money off of. We have to check our hearts. Like there are things we can use and that's money, not people. It's not the other way around. We use people to get money. No, no, we don't. But the money we have, we can use to do good and to be encouraging. And just like Jesus also said, like, you can't worship two things. You can't worship money and God. And money is a really bad God because it can't listen, can't answer prayer. And it's <laughs> at any stroke, it, they can be made nothing. So they give Paul and Silas over after they've been beaten bloody with, with rods. And they give them, give them to the jailer. And just as you're thinking, okay, so this is not the first time we've seen Paul encounter this. Paul uh, encounter this sort of thing. But really, what? But really, what are you thinking in these situations? I'm not maybe not this situation, but you're really doing the work of God. You're. You're reaching out to your neighbors. You're loving your you're loving your neighbor. You're going really uh, through <laughs> the things that um, that God wants you to do. 
like a, just a small dumb example it's like every time we turn on things in here to try to do the service they don't work in the beginning so we have to spend how much time trying to make it work and i'll be like god like why is it not just working we're trying to do your work but even in this case like wouldn't it just be easy like even in our outrage nation or worlds like that if they had their phones on them, they'd be like, hey, this is unjust. We should have been beaten. We should have not been put in jail. This is, infair. This is unfair. We should have had a fair trial. We, we, we didn't get hurt. These people are stupid, dumb. And they're also racist. They hate us. And uh, God, where are you? You are so dumb because you're not here. Where are you now? Is that more like how we would actually... Is that more how we would react? Like, ah, where are you? Why is this injustice happening to me? Why am I, why am I, my meeting opposition if I'm doing what you want me to do? But how beautiful the words of the Bible are. Um, Paul and Silas, and maybe we'll just wait. I just want to show you this one video. If you can show the, the jail video. So this is just an this is an archaeology view of what looks to be the um the place that they were put in jail there in Philippi. Um and then you also have to imagine it's in the middle of the night. It's like it's uh it's in it's at midnight. And you can say like what's going through their minds? Like are they outraged? Are they frustrated like us? Well, that's not what they say, and that's not what they show. At midnight, they're singing God's praises. They're singing hymns and praying to God. What a powerful, powerful witness of their transformation. Paul that was so zealous that he would persecute people. Now he's being beaten again and thrown into prison. But because of what Jesus has done in his heart and life, made him new, he now has the overflowing joy of the Holy Spirit. Although he was beaten, along with Silas, they were both beaten, thrown in the prison at mi midnight when they probably just, you know, gotten themselves a little bit over the beating. They pray and sing hymns to God. That's amazing. It's what flows out of their hearts of their understanding they have in Christ. That even though they were beaten, they could not beat out the joy of the salvation that they have in Christ. That's why they're risking their lives. That other people would know this unfailing joy of being saved, forgiven, adopted, r uh, reconciled to God, being with Jesus forever, having eternal life. That's why they're sitting in prison in what looks like a total hopeless situation, all bound in hands and feet, still bleeding, bloody, 
from their beatings, then they stop praying and singing. And the people around them are listening. People in the same hopeless state, condemned prisoners maybe, people that definitely know that they need somebody to save them. What great examples they are and how maybe it exposes us to the small inconveniences where we're like, God, what are you doing when the technology isn't working or when something's not working with your kid or when your study partners are annoying or frustrating or when you get <laughs> when you get more critique back that you send in to your supervisor when people are just taking you for granted, abusing you, or using you at work. Is our lives, even in this time, where we all want to scream and complain that things are not what they used to be? When we look at our lives, are they more filled with complaining in the Western world, where we have almost everything, it's almost a sport to complain about all the things we don't have. Lacking thanksgiving and worship for all the things we have. As we look at our lives, are, is my mind and my time spent more on worshiping, praising, and praying to God for all the things he does and have done, even when things are not going the way we want them to go. Because why did they have to get beaten? Why did they have to do that? They were just doing the work of God. He just saved a girl from oppression. What happens when we stand up for what's right? Chance to be calling <laughs> called a bigot, uh, old-fashioned uh, hater of women and children and uh, people of all sorts of uh, all the backgrounds. It's real and it's there. How we respond when those things happen? How are we responding to darkness, sickness, when it seems like God's not answering their prayers? Do we remember what all of Acts is about? The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in us also, and even more so in the times of trouble and in the times of suffering. And why is it that I and maybe you keep being surprised when we suffer? Because Jesus said that this was going to happen, that we would suffer. Because we're not greater than him, and he suffered in this world. If we are children of light, and he was the master of light, we as children also suffer as darkness tries to, tries to, uh, tries to blow out the lights. But Jesus has promised that that will not happen, that he's with us, no matter what it is. So why is it that we expect not to suffer when all the first believers did? And Jesus said he would be there in the suffering. 
Can we rest even in the darkness? Can we even sing in the darkness? And then I have this, uh, that's that quote slide, if you could put that on. So this is Warren Weasby from a commentary <laughs> uh, quoting. I just thought it was such a good quote. And I'm not saying, just hear me, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this at all. I'm asking, a, I'm asking us to consider being challenged, being supported in this. Any fool can sing in the day, said Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But the skillful singer is he who can sing when there's no, not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of men. So he's saying that we can all sing when everything goes well and everything is joyful. We can praise God, but can we praise God when there's no light and we're struggling maybe even in depression, sadness, and loss. Is the Holy Spirit in us bringing out a song of praise even in those times? Not because we're joyful in the times, but we're joyful that the Lord of the universe has found us and has set us free. How do we react? How have you reacted even in this time of lockdown? Has it been a lot more complaining than worship? Has it been a refrain of, this is unfair? It's good to look at Silas and Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit in Christ, to by joy sing. And let's see what happens next. God saves a whole family. The great, the great earthquake happens. All, all of the whole thing is shaken. As they're singing and praying, they're listening, and the, the bonds f- supernaturally falls off, off them. The doors are burst open to the jail. The foundation is shaken. The, um, the jailer wakes up kind of a little bit out of it sees the jail is open and he's going to jump on his sword because he does not want the shame of being publicly humiliated and then killed so in a sense of like I'll avoid this by just by killing myself but Paul yelling out don't do it we're all here there's many speculations about why don't they why don't all the other people just run away? Well, I, I can't say exactly why, but they may be mesmerized and like I don't know, traumatized. They've been hearing the singing, they experienced the earthquake, they hear Paul yell out, We're all here. Then they don't leave. struck by this and actually you can say in some sense coming back from death he'd almost killed himself he runs in with light to see that all the people are still there taking them out he brings them to his house he's like what must I do to be saved something has happened in this man's life that from throwing them in prison not really caring who it was to now like this 
these people know they have a joy, they have a faith. They, have, they know how to be saved. I want to be saved. Help me. They give a very short presentation, a great short presentation. It's also the last slide. They say, believe in the Lord Jesus. That's a very short sermon they have. And after that, they expound on it in his house when they share the word of the Lord and they explain more about who Jesus is and how he can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And we see like Lydia responded with, with uh, amazing hospitality. The jailer's heart is changed. And he stoops down and washes their bloody wounds, cleans off their bodies. He has changed. His life is totally changed. Nobody does that if they don't love people. He responds with care and kindness and humility. He was the one in charge of the jail. Now he is, now he is washing the wounds of the criminals or the people, the prisoners. Who's that like? Reminds about when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Here he uses water to clean off, to clean off their wounds and right after he goes into the water being baptized death to dead to his old life and raised into new life along with his family they all believe as they listen to Silas and Paul if they got stuck in the Facebook messages Instagram frustrations of of yelling and screaming at the authorities and all the people have done them injustice Maybe this is not, maybe all this stuff wouldn't have happened. But they kept resting in the joy that Jesus had for them, even though they didn't know what was going on. And God brought, saved a whole family. The jailer brings them to the house, he gives them food, he shows them hospitality, he includes them in the family at that time, like with them, eating with them. And the Holy Spirit brings great joy. He rejoices with his household that he and them have believed in God. Oh, that is so great. (laughs) One of the things that really stuck out to me is, you know, like, God, you're doing this great work. You're saving the the whole family. And what happens next between 34 and 35? Paul and Silas are put back into prison. The jailer does not have the power to set them free. If he would release them, it would be on his own life. He cannot just let them go. So Paul says they got beaten. <laughs> they were praising God in the night. They see another man get saved and set free, his whole family. They are, have their wounds washed and they're put right back into prison. Is that the time where you go like, God, is this, <laughs> is this really it? Back in prison, you know, we just, you know, we just done your work the whole time and now we're back in prison.
What will you be? What would you? What will you, What will you be thinking at that time? God, like, what are you doing? Remember back to the Book of Job series. Job is commended in the New Testament. Nobody wants to be like Job, but he's commended for his steadfastness and for his endurance. We see. I think we see some of that in Paul and Silas. You have to have endurance about being put back in to prison. And remember, God does something in the suffering also. But can we hear it? Or are we too... Are we, can we hear it for our own voices complaining? The good news is that the next day, the magistrates, <laughs> they send the police, maybe they've realized... <laughs> Maybe the charges weren't <laughs> weren't really gonna hold up, and you know, ah, maybe we shouldn't have beaten them that much. Maybe you know, so they kind of send the good news to the jailer. Hey, you know, you can let the prisoners go. And the, the jailer sells that to Paul. And he's like, "Hey, you can go out now. Like everything's good, right? You can go in peace." And Paul is kind of <laughs> Paul is like, "Nope, we're not leaving." There I would have been like, if I was Silas or somebody else, I'd be like, Paul, don't you, don't you think we should just like, I mean, I know, I get it, you know, it wasn't right, they should not beat us and all that stuff, but don't you think we should leave now without getting into more trouble? And so he can be seen like, like, is he vindictive? Is he like going this? And I think a bunch of the commenters has a really good point here that, no, this is not like some personal vendetta. This is setting up uh, 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 some protection for the church, because if they can, if they can prove that they've done nothing wrong, and that the authorities would apologize to them, they will also stop harassing the church there. So Paul takes this time to say, like, we're not leaving. They're gonna come and apologize, and then they can bring us out. And by the way, we're Roman citizens, so we can get you all beaten <laughs> and thrown in jail. We can actually just appeal to Caesar, and you all, you all get, you all of you get in trouble, because you beat us with no trial. They don't do that, though. They could have. So when they hear this, the authorities, they are afraid. So we have this. Uh, one said it's like um, the way uh, Luke uses irony it's up and down all the time you know it's like the the powerful beat the not powerful but now all of a sudden now, now it's reversed Paul and Silas has the upper hand they can, they can appeal to Caesar and get all these people pers- uh, punished the tables have turned they have to come and humble themselves and apologize for what they did all of a sudden the powerful are very very weak They come though. They're, f- they're afraid. They're and they really actually want them to leave. Uh, we apologize. Uh, now, can you please leave uh, our town? And they say, "Oh, thank you for the apology. Uh, we're not going to leave at this point. We're just going to go back, talk to some of our friends." Um, so they do. Paul and Silas go back and uh, meet with Lydia encourage the church and and then they go on on their way 
Um, so that was kind of the, what we had today. Just summing it up and, and maybe also just explaining the next part. Luke's writing all this, but now Luke disappears again for the story. Some people would say that he stays in in, in Philippi and uh, passes to church there. Um, um, so that could be part of it because he's not part of the next journey. He'll he'll re-enter the journey uh, later. Um, but just recounting today, um, we got to look at ourselves. Like, do we have that joy inside of us that Paul and Silas have? The the Holy Spirit resides in us by grace through faith through Jesus. They have that joy that they sing in the darkness. Do we have the same? Not just in the darkness, but also in the darkness. Are we aware of that strength and that power? Or is it overcome by complaints? Notice the joy of the salvation of the jailer and his family. The same joy that Paul and Silas had that they could sing at the night. Here we see it for the first time. Delivered, freed. Do we have that joy? Knowing that we are saved, adopted into our family. Do you know Jesus that way? It's what we've been talking through all of Acts, you know, since the Holy Spirit falls and the men are cut to their heart like, you guys, you killed Jesus. What should we do? Repent. Repent. Be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. Have you done that? Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord, God, and Savior? Have you received the Holy Spirit? That's the gift here. If we have, that joy should grow in us. We should be thinking, meditating on the awesomeness, the greatness of being saved and being redeemed. And for us who can rejoice in that and be like, yes, that's true. Has it turned into fruit? Here we see of love, enough love to to uh, clean dirty, bloody wounds. Kindness to take in the foreigner and the stranger into your house to give them food and show hospitality. In other words, have our have our have our salvation grown into so much joy that it's now an outward expression of what goes on inside of us. So for you who don't know Jesus, it's an opportunity again through this story. As we had just a one sentence, if you take the last slide. And he brought them into his house and set foods before them, and they rejoiced along with his entire household. Do you have that joy? And he got that joy from their question, how can you be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe that he came, he died, he lived, he died for sins to take away the wrath of God and to give us his righteousness. He did not stay dead. He rose again on the third day, stayed for 40 days, is ascended to the Father and is coming back. You can have true life, new life, be adopted into his family if you believe that 
is true. Just a last encouragement and challenge for us as believers. I know like sometimes maybe just day by day it can be overwhelming. But as you're looking back, if you're looking back of your life with Christ, can you see that he's molding you? Have, do you have more joy than you did at one time? If you don't, maybe it's time to repent and be like, okay, what has happened? Have I gone, have I gone callous, cynical? It's a good chance you need to repent and find that joy again in Jesus. That the Holy Spirit is inside. It's the same one that saved you first. It's the one that brought you into God's family. And then to rejoice in song and in, in magnifying who God is and all the things that he's done. I pray that that's something that's going on in your heart and mind at this point. And I pray that you would encourage your fellow believers to do that. Wouldn't it be good if we're a lot more about encouraging one another instead of complaining about all the things that are not right? We know the world's broken. But the one in us is stronger than the one that's in the world. Let us focus on what the Lord Jesus is doing so that we can have eyes to see what he would want us to do and how we can praise and give him worship. Amen. Well, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that although I complain way too much, (laughs) maybe many of us does, Although I lose sight of the beauty and glory of who we are over the smallest things like computers or printers or things. Well, thank you that you keep calling us back to look at who you are, Jesus. Thank you for Paul and Silas and many faithful people that has gone before. That despite great persecution, they sing in the night by you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for all of us. This is not condemnation. This is encouragement. Let us repent of the things that need to be repented of, but draw near to you. Draw near to us. Make us aware of the Holy Spirit that we have the power through you to do exactly what you want us to do. Help us to see ourselves as your ambassadors right where we are, not in our own strength, but in your strength. Encourage each person right now, if they feel overwhelmed by this or that, Lord, I pray that in still a small voice you would be encouraging people and saying, I am here. I am near. I have not forsaken you. I have the power. Rely on me. You are not a slave, but a son. So that we ask that. We honor, honor and glorify you by all words, words and deeds. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you uh, may stand up for the benediction. Uh, just maybe one announcement is that I do believe, uh, Myers can correct me, that I think we do have a, a prayer meeting on Tuesday. But uh, we'll... we'll uh, We'll get that out to you guys. I, I think it is there. Um, yeah, so let's stand up and receive the benediction uh, from Second Corinthians 13. 
13, 14, yeah. <laughs> the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.